0: I'm Abe.
1: I'm um, Josh. I'm a Knox.
0: And this is the Chalk My Back podcast. In today's episode, we'll be answering questions that you, our audience, asked us on Instagram. We asked you to ask us anything on Instagram at Chalk My Back, and we got some great responses. We also got some bad responses. So you know who you are. Shame on you to everybody who uh, asked us some very inappropriate questions. We will not be going over the inappropriate questions on this podcast. Maybe we will.
2: um, Oh, come on. Those are the best
0: ones. This is a a family podcast, obviously. Let's just start answering questions. Let's kind of go round table. I know I asked my followers to ask me some questions. I got a few. Uh, Anas, I know you got a few. And then through the collective at Chalk My Back Instagram page, we asked and
2: we got Doctor Physio Joe. Hold asking, on, wait, wait. Should
0: we give these people these people? Should we give who is, should we Should we say handles? Because what if we run into another uh, another situation? <laughs> 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 maybe yeah. we should. Maybe we shouldn't say their name. What do you think?
2: I mean, I can spit out the handle.
0: Okay. All right. All right. All right. You all right. know, it, it, it you adds can, to the wow. mystery, right? Okay. Go ahead. All
2: right. He asked. What makes a good slash bad coach and what considerations to make when choosing a coach? Well, I I guess, like, first of all, like, what makes a good coach is a coach that listens. Like That that should be, like, the first thing is someone that listens. Mm -hmm. So if you don't listen, it doesn't really necessarily make you bad. It just you know, it's kind of a crucial part to being a coach.
0: I think it makes you very bad, yeah. No, I I absolutely do think that if you don't listen to your athletes, you're you're a terrible coach and you probably shouldn't be a coach.
2: Yeah, probably.
0: Because your athletes are more than likely going to get injured if you're not listening to them.
2: That's true. Having good communication skills. So, listening and um, being able to receive feedback and being able to critique honestly – Mm-hmm. Those would be like qualities of a good coach.
1: Like you need to have knowledge about what you're doing. Like you can't be coaching something you have never done before, if not, or you've never studied before.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, I think I think you, you could skate by with l- a l- less experience as long as you're open with your athlete. Um, like for a lot of newer coaches or people who are wanting to start out, maybe with some some younger athletes, like people in high school, and they just want to try to get the ball rolling on their coaching career. I think if you communicate that with your athletes and say, hey, you know, I don't know a lot, but I'm either uh, really cheap in price or I'm free. uh, And I just want to, I want to, I kind of want to use you as a guinea pig (laughs) for my, my new coaching business. So,
2: yeah. On top of that, too, maybe having like um, some, some knowledge or information about the fundamentals. Like if it's for powerlifting, like how to structure, like a block or a program, at least in like a beginner intermediate spot, you you don't need to be like super super good at it, but as long as you follow like some basic principles, that also helps to make a good coach.
1: Yeah, I think you know, yeah, if you're starting out, like you definitely need to at least know um, the principles. You at least you, know, you need you need to know the the basics, right? Um, yeah, I mean. I mean, everyone's gonna start start out somewhere. So, I mean, at least like one one other thing you need to be willing to learn. So, like if you're starting out, you only know the basics. Um, you communicate well, um, and you're willing to learn. I think I think you're I think you're on the right path.
0: I would say communication is more important than knowledge because if you're able to communicate effectively with your clients or the people that you coach, and people like you and they're willing to give you the benefit of the doubt, then You'll be able to learn as you go, whereas if you have a lot of knowledge and maybe you don't have the best communication skills, you'll probably attract some top-level athletes who just want to who just wanna progress in their lifts and they don't really care about the soft stuff. But, you know what they say, you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. So, if you're really sweet, people like you probably get a lot more clients that way. Uh, if you're nasty, people probably won't want to be around you quite as much, so you may not have as much uh athlete retention.
2: Right. Also going off of that too, me something that makes a good coach is um like being a being a coach that's true like to yourself. So like if you're just starting out and you're wanting to get into uh being like a powerlifting coach, you you should try to develop like a philosophy and like a training style that you feel you would be good at. So not being like a people pleaser coach,
0: mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah, you, do you don't. Yeah, it's like sticking to sticking your sticking to your guns on what you think your athlete needs.
2: Yeah, like if if you um, you know, say you're good at like you know helping someone like with general strength, or you're good at like peaking, or you're good at you know helping someone in the off season. Like you should try to, you know, develop that, and then. Try to, like like Anas said, learn as much as you can, but uh, play to what you're good at. And if someone comes to you and you're not good at something, mm-hmm. you know, being honest with yourself and telling that person or that lifter, like, I'm not that great at it. I'm willing to learn with you, mm-hmm. but or just pass off the responsibility to someone else.
0: Yeah, having a having a good network of people that you can rely on for different levels of of competency is really important as well. Because then you don't have to pretend, uh, or you don't have to necessarily do it all yourself. Having having a network of people that you can rely on for their for their skills or for their services is very very helpful. Because then not only can you help the athlete that you are trying to help, but you can also learn from them. So, yeah, um, I think that I think it all boils down to to being a being a good person, um, yeah. in, ter- in terms of finding somebody, uh, obviously social media is going to be the prime uh, place to find a, a coach. But it really just depends on who, what kind of coach you're looking for. If you're looking for like you know a really top level coach and you want to see what their repertoire looks like or their resume um, in terms of the athletes that they've coached, uh, word of mouth is going to be the is going to be a huge. Uh, benefit to you um, but you know for a lot of people who are, who are looking for a coach and maybe just you know they're not looking for top level coaching that comes at a top level price um, you're leaning on people in your network is going to be another area of doing that like people who you know maybe you're trying to get into coaching uh, or asking around within your network to see if there's uh, either a coach that your friends are being coached by or that they're aware of that they can share with you.
1: Whenever you inquire for coaching, like you need to ask that coach the right questions. And some of these questions would be um, like your experience, like how long have you been coaching for and what, what, like how did you get into it? Uh, What pool lifters have you been working with? Like, have you been working with like only heavyweights and like the guy is uh, a lighter, like a lighter male? Okay. Well, what's the best lifter you worked with? What's the worst lifter you worked with? Mm -hmm. Um, what was the rate rate of progress? Um, have you worked with lifters with like who are a little bit more introverted, a little bit more extroverted? Um, and have you like been able to communicate with both? And yeah, and like um, you can ask about the programming if you're like how, how has your programming evolved over time? And if the if the coach themselves themselves well lifts as well. That would be that will be a big plus too. Like, you know, like the the coach is also invested in powerlifting. thing. He doesn't only do it just for for money. He also does it for competitive reasons, and like mm-hmm. he's that much more invested. So I think it's just you're gonna have to lay out the questions. Um, you want to ask? Coach? Yeah, so you, you know he's a, he's a good fit because some coaches are a little bit more introverted. Like yeah, like some coaches can't communicate like every every day. And some, some, some coaches are, um, like they would, whenever they get a message, like they answer like like immediately. immediately. And some coaches well, like some will coaches have to have, like, wait. Day jobs. And some coaches like they can't really like all that social interaction. Like they kind of, I know oh, for me, like, I get kind of drained from all the social. Yeah, uh,
0: you got to know what, what kind of coach you're looking for. If you're the type of athlete that wants that constant feedback or needs the the attention, um, you know, take into account what Anaa said about the the uh, questions. And and also just understanding uh, how to look for a coach is going to be based off of your own network. You know, there's a lot of like professional coaching services out there, um, but they come at a they come out of price. So you got to understand your budget um, and what you're willing to pay for versus the amount of effort that you're putting to, that you're putting into it.
1: Yeah, and you might find someone who's local, maybe a little bit less lo- well known. Well known. Oh
0: yeah, Diamond who can provide rough. you
1: with like with a better like the same or better service. Sometimes, like, if, if coaches, like, don't have as big of a, a workload, they can provide you with a better service at a lower lower cost. Mm-hmm. You just kinda, but you, you do have to, like, ask them, kind of look at their track record. Like, have they worked with lifters before? Like, how many lifters have they worked before? Have they seen results? Like, is there any... Uh, you can ask their lifters about their experience. So you're going to have to do some research because, like, you don't want to commit to someone and... End up with, uh, some. Like, end up with like your expectations are gonna be one thing, then you're gonna get in, get, get with that coach and like you, you get something else. That was, that was good. We got from Ulysses lifts. My oh boy. What advice would
2: you give your younger self at the beginning of your powerlifting journey?
0: Uh, shut up and lift. Quit talking so much.
2: <laughs> Drink some milk. <laughs>
0: Did you have weak bones, Josh? What do you mean?
2: Yeah, like I just I didn't eat when I was like at the beginning of my journey. I was just like, you know, I was I had that like mindset that I was like, oh, I don't nutrition's stupid. I can just train and make progress. I don't need to eat.
1: Eating is for the weak. Oh, I I thought you were kidding about the milk.
0: Me too. Yeah, Uh, you want to talk about it, Josh?
1: Do I? Oh yeah, sure. sure I mean, man are,
0: like, you, are you okay?
2: I'm okay. I drink my milk now. I have oh, healthy bones.
0: You just have a big gallon of milk next to you during the podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well the the milk is substituted now for energy drinks. so maybe I'm going downhill and go the other way.
0: Maybe so your, so your advice to your past self would be to eat more.
2: Eat more uh, have more fun with it. I think I tried to take it way too seriously in the beginning. I didn't have as much fun as i thought i i would you know so have more fun with it uh eat a little bit more Maybe be a little bit more open-minded you know be open to others interpretation of how to train and how to make progress
0: yeah you know? i uh, i didn't i weighed well i don't need none it's none of your business is how much i weighed but I was afraid to eat because I I just didn't want to, I don't want to get fat. So that I feel like my progress could have, it could have been a bit more um, consistent in the beginning. If I would have not been afraid to just eat like calories in general, like not specifically anything healthy, but just like in general, like I just didn't, I just didn't eat. So I didn't really fill out the weight classes that I was competing in. I think it was like, 83. I was I was I competed as an 83 kilogram powerlifter.
2: 83.
0: Yeah, in my first meet, I was an 83, and like my leverages are not built for an 83. <laughs> so like, um, it wasn't until I got to the 105. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so like, when I got to the 105, I felt a lot stronger. Was, I felt more comfortable. My my leverages on the squat, uh, specifically on the squat felt like a lot more comfortable so I would definitely just I would sit my young self down and buy like a McDonald's cheeseburger yeah, and just buy a like
2: burger it,
0: just eat yeah. it so just eat.
1: I guess I mean we, we've gone we talked about it a little bit in the previous podcast about kind of focusing on movement instead of especially at the beginning like you want to focus on your on how you move your technique first mm-hmm. so you can build a big base for you to uh, progress off of it's like the last thing you want to do is just kind of get caught up with like your programming and like how much you're lifting and all that. And kind of get like, if you, if your movement is trash and you end up hurting yourself early on, like you just, um, your potential is that like, it will be a lot lower than it could have been if you actually, uh, focus on like how you move and kind of let, um, everything else kind of. Fall in place instead of focusing on your programming and like things that like don't really matter as much at the beginning. Pro- programming doesn't really matter that much as long as you don't do like a whole lot. As long as, as long as you don't jump into something insane, you do like a beginner linear program or something like with low frequency, lower volume at the beginning, and just focus on uh, on how you move. And obviously, like you know, you want to do um, the basic things like you just. Get your sleep, get your food, um, and just move correctly and, like, you'll you'll be fine, honestly. Like, the move right now is, like, to, to do, like, uh, not, to not change anything in your programming. People are running, like, the emerging strategies um, uh, style programming where you basically run the same week over and over again until it stops working. Mm-hmm. It's funny how it went from we got to change a lot of stuff to let's not change anything and see how, how this goes
0: <laughs> yeah it's yeah. funny how things come full circle 20 uh what is it the the, the 2020s definitely uh or not even just 2020s but like the uh, the 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 latter ends of the 2010s definitely saw a resurgence in that like more smart style of training being more popular not to say that we were training like dumb but I just feel like the no, that uh, was
2: that was the meta back then
0: yeah it seems like right now there's just more of a push for being more uh, diligent with your training and with your nutrition overall
2: all right we got one from squid get squats gatekeeping and powerlifting old lifters slash people being ugly towards the younger generation
0: like i said in the previous podcast if somebody bullies you you just hit up the chalk my back boys we will personally give <laughs> what them a noogie give them? <laughs> we'll give them a noogie put them collectively under mm, all of our armpits noogie. and give them a little noogie a will give him a will kick him right in the butt. Um uh, Yeah. yeah.
2: i I've never really experienced that. No, nah, like, that's
0: I can give you some examples. Um
2: Oh you can okay. Yeah, and maybe it'll help one. you
0: maybe maybe the way I present it will kind of help you uh, remember these kind of moments because it can happen in really like subtle ways. So be um, like you know, when you think about a commercial gym setting, it's different than a sports specific gym setting. Where you see uh, a wider variety of people, like the casual lifter going into a commercial gym, then you would see you know sports specific. There's more of a community that's built, and there's more of uh, of, a, of an inclusion uh, that's that's occurring. And now, when I've gone to commercial gyms, there's definitely like a like an unspoken hierarchy of like you know the the people who look like they've been lifting longer, having the the right to certain equipment and, you know, people who are uh, younger are just getting into it. Like they have the, they have to pay respects to the, to the other lifters. I don't agree with that at all. Uh, it's been a while since I've gone to a commercial gym. Uh, maybe that atmosphere has changed, but
2: I was going to say, does that really exist?
0: I think it, de- mm-hmm. I, I definitely think it exists. And um, oh, what was the question? Interesting. Again?
2: Um, gatekeeping and powerlifting and old lifters slash people being ugly towards younger generation
0: so although that's not really a question um i think that gatekeeping in general is just it speaks to the insecurities of the people who are who are you know the ones excluding or trying to uh, assume that they that they should be the only ones entitled to participating in whatever you know sport or gym or lift or whatever it is like they're super insecure if they think that by somehow the virtue of just being them, that they have some, you know, privilege over somebody else. Like the thing about training at a sports specific gym, like, you know, pod or, uh, AR or Metroflex, um, others, whatever. But is that, you know, that community exists to where you want to bring people in because not only does that, add to the community that you're building, but it also adds to, um, I mean, the profit of the gym, like the more people who join, the more likely that the gym stays open. Um, and like, if you had a gym with only like two or three people and they were just old heads, then that would be kind of a really boring gym to go to. So,
2: oh, I guess. All right. And I've,
0: I, I've also seen people oh. who are like ridiculed for using equipment wrong. Um, like yes. from across the gym, you see somebody who's like, Oh, they're using the wrong bar. Or oh, the, they're you know they're using that piece of equipment incorrectly. Uh, I've seen it. people. <laughs> uh, I mean, who is that? Who is that? See, like you, you see people from across the gym, and if you're if you've ever thought to yourself like, oh man, like they're so stupid for using the wrong piece of equipment, then you're subliminally gatekeeping, and like you may not say anything. But it's, it's just as bad, you know, because not everybody wants you to walk up to them and give you give them help. But a vast majority of people would, you know, enjo- would definitely welcome some help when they're using something wrong. Uh, and then, you know, the friendship develops or just they get more familiar. Because when people are getting into this stuff brand new, okay. like, they're or scared. they
1: fight you. What? Or they fight you. <laughs> not did someone
0: hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> I knew all it. I,
1: all I heard was, "I'm what gonna if, fight you." What if? What if someone is squatting with a with a deadlift bar?
0: <laughs> you know what? Maybe they have a reason for it. I'll tell them. I'll say, "Hey, you know that's a deadlift bar, right?" <laughs> and if better. they say, "If they say whatever, man," then okay, that's you. You, I've, I, I tried to help you, but like, if you look at them from and you're like, "Oh, that person's stupid now." Like, no. Nah, don't don't do that.
2: Better yet, they're they're benching with the deadlift bar, and you can you can physically see the whip. After re-racking it and the bar is whipping like a
1: million miles an hour.
0: Look, I can give y'all I can give y'all what specific if what examples. If it says,
1: hold on, hold on. So what if it says on the bar, don't squat or deadlift with oh, don't squat or bench with this?
0: Then tell them, hey, I don't know if you noticed that this bar is actually not for that because you can hurt it. You can actually you can you know mess this bar up and then you can educate them like this is why. And if they continue to try to like mess up the equipment that's different than like somebody coming in and you being like oh this person is brand new to the gym uh uh-uh. uh they're not going to lift with me they're not cool enough to lift with me which like josh said like that's such a childish way of of living your life that i don't i don't see it a lot but i ha- like i
2: can i can kind of see what you mean about mm-hmm. like the hierarchy thing i've i've never experienced that before but i of. guess no i haven't Yes, you have.
1: <laughs> okay. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. I mean, yeah. Josh, I ha- I ha- I ha- I do you remember ha- that
0: time you gave me a noogie?
1: A noogie. Jesus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Were you bullying someone? Is that why? Oh, no. Nah,
0: nah, you, uh, you bullied me. Oh, I bullied you. Yeah. Ah. <laughs>
1: uh, uh. So I haven't seen any of any of that, but if, what I've seen is um, it's kind of people who lift more. Kind of feel superior to people like who, uh, who are not as strong. Oh, yeah, like, that hey, I, I, we've I, all I, seen I, it. I, yeah, I don't okay.
0: I, look. I want to just mm-hmm. make this very clear. To, you, we've all three of us on this podcast have seen it, and I'll I will remind you <laughs> after the podcast okay, of that, the instances.
2: That makes but, more
0: sense. But I think it's it it, it's, it depends on how you react to it. Like some people will dwell on it, which is definitely you know it's one way to react, and some people will just kind of like shrug it to the side. But we, we have all experienced gatekeeping and lifting um, specifically. so but, nice. but one, one final thought on that if you if you feel ever uncomfortable in a situation um, by, by somebody that you feel is trying to shame you for not either not being as strong as they think you should be or if your technique is what not what they think it should be or anything of the sort, try to distance yourself from that person. Don't give them the satisfaction of responding in my opinion. Just kind of keep doing your own thing, get some headphones. Focus on yourself and understand that your your journey is your own journey.
2: We got one from jerber ninety one and uh-uh. he asked uh getting over the plateau. So I'm I'm assuming he means like a powerlifting plateau.
0: Or like just strength in general. I don't know. I'll just let you know strength. when I get over it.
2: I mean 'cause I don't I don't got no plateaus near me, dog. Like I'm I'm good. I don't need to get any. I don't need to get over any plateaus. Nice one. Well,
1: <laughs> so.
0: so. No, so I think he. I think he means how to get how to break through a, a plateau on his progress. What do y'all think? I
1: think that's what it is. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Yep. So, but what do you or think, maybe, though? Well, maybe
1: he's trolling. I know. I know. Um...
0: <laughs> no, no. See <laughs> now, the the, no, let's, list list is the thing. Let's address fan. it. The let's address it. We when there's something about there's something about us where we ask a question. And like 60% of the questions are trolls. So we got to like, we got to like navigate. Nah, I'm not even going to address it. I'm not even going to address it. 60% nah,
2: of nah, our nah. audience are trolls?
0: No, not the audience. Just, I don't know. Oh, okay, okay. I don't want to be negative. <laughs>
1: I mean, m- mine are probably like around like 90% are just trolling. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make correlations like
2: that. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, moving on, moving on.
0: The way that I uh, will overcome it. Is first, I mean, it, it's a kind of a, a broad question and really you could, it depends on the individual. But uh, what I said before about eating more was how I overcame some plateaus that I was experiencing. Like I looked at my nutrition and I realized that I just wasn't eating enough calories to help my recovery. Um, but recovery in general is a, is a big contributing factor. It could be eating more. It could be getting more sleep. It could be uh, maybe your mentality when you go to the gym.
2: So like you'll, you'll t- kind of take a step back and look at stuff that you can like you know refocus your attention onto.
0: Yeah. Definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So if you keep getting the same results then you have to you have to change something. But the biggest thing is not trying to change everything at the same time.
1: So that that's that's when it comes to um like things outside of programming like if you're if you're programming uh things that you can look at um if you're Doing too little, or too much. If you know, uh, for you to find out if you're doing too little is like if you come into your sessions feeling super fresh, um, you feel a little bit sluggish, like the movement doesn't feel fluid, and um, you're not you're not making any progress from week to week, right? So, right. You, so you kind of so th- those could be some signs, to, um, that could uh, kind of indicate that you're not doing enough. And on the other, other, on the other um, end of the spectrum is like people will do too much. I think people do too much um, on deadlifts, and it will kind of uh, just like it will stall the squat with it too. Mm-hmm. So you can you can look at how you feel from session to session. Like do you come in feeling super fatigued? Um, you're having trouble sleeping. Sleeping. You're um, like you're always achy. You're always in pain. Um, and you look at your programming. Like, are you, you if you're squatting or deadlifting like two, three times, like three times a week, or some something insane? It's like, okay, maybe doing this 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 much, isn't isn't helping. So maybe you should dial it back. You're just gonna have to look at if you're doing too little, too much, and if you're doing too little, just increase it a little bit so you're um, closer to that sweet spot. And if you're doing too much, just lower it a little bit um, so you can recover from that work.
0: When I try to identify the root cause in my own training or the people I, I coach in their training in terms of like a plateau, I try to remove one variable at a time. So I look at like an Anasa programming. Are they doing too much? If I look at it and they're not, then okay, we'll leave it like that. Maybe they are. We'll I'll change that variable first. And if that affects their training positively, then I know that I've found the root cause. But if that doesn't, then I'll change that back to the way it was and then I'll look at something else the recovery are they you know and I'll, and I'll go through the checklist and it's an arbitrary checklist that I you know think about like you know recovery programming and and other factors but instead of trying to go in and, and getting freaked out and thinking like oh man like I just got to try all these different things now I'll, I'll buy some different shoes or I'll buy a different belt or I'll try this new breathing technique or this and that like you, you change so much that maybe you do end up changing what the root cause was. But now you've introduced all these new factors. And now you may have, you know, completely changed how you, you may have, you know, caused a whole bunch of other issues. So like changing things one by one to identify the root cause is a, is a good way to try to, I, to pinpoint and identify what is actually causing your, your stalled progress.
1: Yeah, you definitely want to look on outside of training like that's sleep maybe work stress nutrition and all the other stuff and you can look into like the training stuff and it's not always how you're training that's affecting your progress like maybe if you're working overtime or or you're not sleeping enough or you're having midterms or your school schedule isn't like is getting crazy well that will influence your training too so you kind of have to like look at the big picture like what's What's, what's changed? Like, are you working more hours now? Well, that's extra stress, less recovery from training. So maybe you have to adjust your workload from because, because of that. Like whenever I I feel like I'm encountering a
2: plateau, I'll kind of just take a step back from training, focus on other stuff. That's not necessarily like training related. Mm -hmm. So I'll put more energy in there, like stuff that I've been putting off. So, like, if there's something, like, cool I want to go read for school or just, like, in general, like, something that I want to do that's not necessarily, like, lifting related, just kind of give myself, like, a break. That, like, give myself a chance to miss training. That way oh, I come nice. back wanting to train, you know.
0: You take some time off. Kind of like a deload. Like a mental deload.
2: mental deload. Yeah. The last question we got on the... Chalk My Back page is from Rad Ruth. Why did you start this podcast and what do you guys hope to accomplish with it?
0: Yeah, we can just skip this question. Yeah, all right. See you guys next (laughs) week on on the Chalk My Back (laughs) podcast. (laughs) 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 Whose
1: whose idea was it? I think it was Josh. Josh wanted to start the podcast, right?
2: Was it my idea?
0: It was definitely your idea. I have the the Instagram messages.
1: I shall take
2: credit for that. Well, I mean like I just I just started it so we could like all hang out. That that's that's really why, you know, it's short and simple. Just cool to hang out with the two of y'all. Just for fun. No, just for fun. Yeah. And what what do I hope to accomplish with it? Have, mean, fun. Have, have fun. Have fun. Have more fun. Yeah, have fun, you know, get some info out there for whoever wants it. And yeah, work on my uh, talking skills, because uh, everyone that listens to this knows that I I suck at talking. So,
0: uh, nah, they don't know that. Yeah,
2: sure, yeah, that's a secret. That's a secret. Okay, <laughs> keep that a secret. Yeah, well, that's, the re- that's the reason
0: I wanted to. The reason I wanted to, uh, you know, be a part of it was because, um, I I definitely think that a lot of the conversations that we have are are, are informational. Like, they definitely have some content that maybe is. Worth listening to, but more more than anything else, I I definitely enjoy just the conversations that we have, and if there are other people who find value in that, that's cool. Um, if not, then that's that's also fine. Um, whether we have a million listeners or like a hundred li- listeners, it's that's kind of not up to me to decide. Um, I just generally I genuinely enjoy putting myself out there um, with friends in order to, you know, tackle whatever topic we're talking about for the week, whether if it's, it's something serious or whether it's something a little bit more casual. Um, and then, you know, selfishly, I, I think this would be something that would be uh, very fun to, to make a living out of, you know, if possible, to use, you know, our our voices, whatever messages we have to create a living off of. If that's in the cards, then that's, that's definitely um a major plus
1: yeah i think it's definitely in the courts for you, you, you can, shut up you can definitely <laughs> before i give you a noogie
0: <laughs> let me let me address something real quick
1: i'll
0: address something so obviously i am not as i'm not i'm not as introverted as most people i definitely am comfortable speaking uh to a crowd or the to people who aren't even in the in the room with me right now i'm just speaking into a microphone but uh I, I have no problem with that. But I also I also do enjoy uh trying to share that ability because it's not something that I was born with, it's something that I had to practice over and over and over again. And I, I like to share that and I like to help other people grow that aspect. And I, and I see how uh the two of you will speak in a private setting and how you have just as much energy as I do in some settings, but um, Translating that to a, a recorded medium is is difficult, but each week I enjoy seeing the two of you specifically improve. You know when when we go in and, and we and we record these sessions, so that constant improve, improvement uh, within the two of you is what I is what keeps me also you know ready and motivated to to invest so much time into this effort. So don't sell yourself short, because oh, I definitely I definitely you. think this pod this podcast wouldn't be as fun if it was just me. And I think that the, the, all three of us bring something to the table that each one of the individual listeners can enjoy. Let me, because uh, mine are short enough, I would like to go through the list. So I, I just yeah. barely put this out to my followers because I was curious, you know, hey, let's see what kind of nice, informative questions my followers would ask me. Um, so I posted on my Instagram, uh, you know, ask me anything if it's good. I'll answer it on the podcast. So, uh, first question I got pizza or tacos?
2: That's a hard and one.
0: Tacos, no, it's tacos. No,
2: that's all. No, it's not. Hard disgusting. One. Tacos.
0: Tacos. And it's disgusting. Tacos. That's not disgusting. It's just like, uh,
1: from, it's just what from am I going to do?
0: I'm going to sit down and eat a 12 inch pizza, or am I going to sit down and oh, eat like.
1: Not, not the pizza, like the, the aftermath is kind of. It's not <laughs> fun.
0: I don't know what you mean. What kind of aftermath do you experience when you cheese. eat pizza? I mean, you eat a lot of cheese, oh.
1: lactose.
0: You're like, I'm, I'm... oh, you're lactose. Uh, oh.
2: Y'all have those kind of experiences. Oof. Uh. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Anasa's Anas lactose in what do they call it? Lactose. No, I heard, I heard a joke. Lactose in and what? A, no, I had, there was a joke I was trying to say, but it didn't deliver. Like, it didn't land because I couldn't remember it fast enough. So now I'm just, anyways.
1: It's okay. Once you remember it, just let us know.
0: Um, <sighs> <all laughs> to right. go into the type of questions that I get asked, these are other type. What do you call a baby cow that drinks coffee? You know, some would make you think that the answer to that is decaffeinated but
2: lame. Okay.
0: Yeah. Thanks Moving guys.
1: Moving on. Wow!
0: Wah, wah, wah. So thanks wah, wah. whoever asked that. Also, um, I did now, get some real it? questions. I
1: want to know. know who asked that.
0: Oh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about it after the podcast. We'll maybe give her a noogie. Okay. Um, oh, but a I'll, let, I'll let y'all know. Right. <laughs> that, big clue. that narrows it down. Yeah. Um, a real question that I got, is how did the COVID outbreak impact my workout life? And, uh, you know, definitely it impacted mine. Same for a lot of other people. I didn't work out for a few months. Um, I did like banded workouts and push-ups, many, many push-ups and many, many um, jump rope to to maintain fitness. But um, it also just taught me to be a bit more creative and to refine what I think is a necessity in my training. Um, Now that I have the privilege of having more equipment I am able to kind of cherry pick what I think is going to give me the biggest uh, bang for my buck in terms of my my performance. So it just it made me a bit more cognizant about what is needed in general for my performance. And also a question I got: How did I learn to do my own fades? So I do uh, since since lockdown I have been cutting That's my an own interesting hair.
2: Interesting question. I, I would also podcast like... just for that one. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say that that can be like a two hour topic because I want to know the secret to that.
0: Okay, if if the listeners would like to know how I do my own fade, I will answer that. But I'll answer this real quickly because the person was nice enough to ask it. Um, I'll go in in depth if if we if that has enough interest. But uh, the answer to that is uh, trial and error. And I'd, I have not just been trying this for the past year. I, I definitely had an interest in this earlier on back when I was in high school. For some reason, I just always thought that that was so cool to be able to cut hair. And, uh, you know, if you mess up, you can always just buzz it and go down to zero. So if you ever see me with a buzz cut, that's probably what happened. Same if with a shaven face. That's usually you trim it too low and they just say, hey, I got to start over. Uh, also, somebody asked me. I know you'll chalk my back, but will you slap my back on third deads? Not only will I slap your back on third deads, I will slap your face on bench. I will slap your butt on squat. If there's one person you can depend on for slapping somebody, it's me. Don't hesitate at a meet. If you see me and you're the type of lifter that need a slap, I'm getting excited just thinking about it. I will slap you so hard on your third attempt on deadlift that it's a guarantee that you will get... That 3rd attempt. Will, and I'll will, chalk you s- back.
2: will you send the person flying? Like in our outtake clip?
0: <laughs> Watch the outtake clip. That we posted on the Chalk My Back page. It was a, it's a reel on Instagram. Uh, that is what a 3rd slap. Or a 3rd attempt deadlift slap. Will look like. Also uh, Samson did want me to mention. Uh, that uh, when I overshoot. Uh, an RPE. On my bench, uh, I often like to get food afterwards, uh, and one instance was ramen. So I do like enjoying uh, fine Asian cuisine after failing a uh, a, a lift. So oh, uh, yeah, thank there's you. A,
2: there's a term <laughs> I use for uh, your your RPE scale. What's that? So like um, a normal person's nine or nine and a half, I call that a Abe six. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I appreciate that.
2: That's a that's abe six right there. That I try to
0: good. Well we you know, there's also a, a a saying that I like to go by. When you look at somebody lift and the RPE is just out of this world and you just say to yourself, Well, that's an injury. Or even after your after your own lift, if you just get up from a lift and you just know like something's not gonna feel right in the morning, you just say to yourself, Well, that's an injury. And you kinda move on. You just you just move on because as we mentioned earlier, uh, very scientific. Your bones are made to break. Um,
2: well, who said that?
0: You break your bones, <laughs> they grow back bigger. Yeah. So, micro trauma, micro trauma.
1: Okay, so I got like three or four questions about what got me into coaching and uh, let's see, what's my goal with empower with thing and how do I improve as a coach? Okay, so what got me into pilot thing? I think I started coaching my myself. Um, I'm, I forgot when. Maybe like in twenty fourteen or something. And I think I just got like some some friends who wanted me just to, you know, do their coaching or like yeah, just just some friends asked me to to coach them basically, and like that's that's how I that's how I got started with it. Once I started getting like over five or six people. I was like, okay, well maybe I should do this.
0: You're like the demands out there. I have to give the people what they want.
1: Yeah. But that, yeah, that's how I got into powerlifting coaching. What resources uh, do I use to get started? I think following the people who are doing it the best. Like look at the best coaches in, in powerlifting. I like, could look at, Thanks, like, man. okay. Yeah. Look at Abe. <laughs> uh, look at Mike T. Um, they're, they're, all these coaches are easy, easy to find. So look at them, look at who they follow. Um, what, like what kind of information they put out and try to learn from that. And I mean, that's, that's at least that's how I got started. Just kind of looking at like Eric Holmes, looking at um, Bryce Lewis, um, Mike T, Mike Zordo. like, those, those are the people who, who were um, like the most popular, most well-known, coaches usually those people put out
2: um they usually put out pretty good solid free information that's pretty grounded in science and principles so you can't really go wrong Mm -hmm. with stuff that's been proven
1: yeah and there's now there's a lot of good uh, youtube channels um or instagram pages that put out really good information so i mean it's um
0: you can like just quick snippets of information, like they'll just post like some random knowledge or something.
1: Yeah. And ask, ask, ask these coaches, like, okay, well, how do I learn about this? Or like if, if you're, ask any, any of them, uh, seeking knowledge, like they will direct, direct you in the right, in the right direction. They will tell you, like, okay, follow this person or read those, uh, read this book or do this course or take this class. It's a lot easier to, um, to find, this information if anything there is so much information right now that it's kind of hard to um, apply it because people people get overwhelmed with so much all this information and like they try to implement all of it where sometimes you just have to stick to the basics it's good to um, like widen your your t- toolbox but you don't have to use everything you see online what have I done? In the past few years, to improve to improve as a coach, um, I think at the beginning I was just like, like I said, like I was just following these coaches and kind of looking at the free information they put out. It was mainly like, yeah, like just um, just like from YouTube channels or um, like any information that um that gets out there for free. And recently, I've been just trying to kind of take more classes. Now there's more kind of power thing more more power thing specific classes more um like biomechanic classes that I wanted to take so i've been so i'm taking two classes right now like one with Connor Harris one with uh Brad and Sh- Brad Coolyard and Sean Sean Collins mm-hmm. uh, those are really good uh like really well done classes that that've been helping and before that like i said like i was just going off of like the free information out there What's my ultimate goal within powerlifting? For me, for personal lifting, like, I mean, I just want to get as strong as possible. Like, I want to rank, I want to, I want to place at nationals. I want to be top, whatever, top three or top five. Like, my goal is to, um, to reach like the podium at nationals or compete at a higher level. Um, but as far as coaching, like, um, I want to have, like, a, I want to have a, a team. Um, that can, I can, I can go with two nationals. Like I want, I want a solid team of, of lifters. Like
2: once you do achieve, like say a top three spot at nationals is, is that it? Like, is there, like are you going to try to achieve more? Are you going to be like, okay, this is, this is enough. This is the pinnacle.
1: No, I'll definitely keep, I mean, like once I reach like top, is it, if I reach top five, like my goal would be like top four. And, like, if I get to th- number three, like, I want to be even higher. Like, I, th- I don't think it will ever stop unless something happens. But, I mean, like, yeah, like, my goal is to always that they get stronger and get better. Okay, so I have one asking, like, how do I feel when my lifters or clients start coaching other people? Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I mean, I think if you, if you feel you're ready to start coaching if you feel like you know enough to start coaching like yeah go ahead like i don't have i mean i i encourage if anything yeah go ahead coach people if that's something you enjoy um what what about you guys uh yeah i mean as long as they
2: they think they can you know develop a sound training regimen for someone and they can justify it somehow and not make stuff up I think, yeah, I'd be happy if they were to coach other people.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, if somebody has the the desire to want to go out and coach there, I'm not me telling them not to, or me not being happy about it is not going to stop them. So I try to encourage it. And I try to like ask, I try to be a resource to them. Like ask me questions. You know, if you have a question regarding coaching or how you think you should be a coach, because that's a that's a completely separate conversation from the athlete coach uh conversation a coach coach relationship you can kind of get into like motivation you can get into you know the the psych- the psychology of the lifter um experience that you've had with specific circumstances you know whether it be program adherence or maybe the lifter is just not getting a certain way that they're explaining uh, an exercise and like instead of me being like oh, you're on your own, figured out for yourself, kid. And then them having to go through the same hurdles that I did and then them becoming frustrated and maybe not being the best coach they could be. I try to give as much of the knowledge that I have to them to put them in a better position. Um, because like, I, I'm trying to think maybe the, the the reason that they ask you that. like, Would you have an issue with them going out and coaching somebody? Like, Maybe that's potentially like reducing the amount of people that you could coach, or maybe that that's somehow taking like money out of your pocket. But at the end of the day, if you're a good coach uh, and you're actually, if people find value in the service that you're providing, that one person going out and being a coach is only going to become a representation of you. So why would you not want to do all you can to make sure that they're the best coach that they can be? Cause like I, if I look at a coach and they're a really good coach I'll look at who coaches them and kind of go so on and so forth
2: right and plus it's a it's a good way to uh grow the sport yeah you know it gets it gets people that you might not necessarily talk to but um that person talks to in their circle mm-hmm. maybe in the lifting so you
0: know I did any- have an issue with it at one point though i I have to say not an issue with it but i I used to take it as like a a representation of like oh like mm, Am I not a good coach? You know, like back in, back in the early days, whenever I didn't really have like an established coaching style, it was just kind of like me helping people and then, you know, them kind of going off and doing their own things. So i would think to myself like, oh, like maybe, maybe I, I need to do better in order for them to think that they don't need a coach. But then you grow up and you realize that somebody else's success doesn't take away from your success and that what you should be doing is encouraging other people to succeed and if they've if if they are interested enough and that you've given them enough of a value, if they've seen enough value in what you do that they're trying to then do it for themselves, then you've obviously done a good job.
1: Okay, I have one last one. It's what do you find is typically the most inconsistent variable in your lifter's training?
0: I think in oh, my Yeah,
1: that's a tough one.
0: That's a good question.
1: Yeah. That's so dependent. Yeah, your boy Marcellus came came through with that question. Um I would say, as far as um the things I track I track a lot of variables I think like the most inconsistent thing with my thing with my lifters is uh their nutrition, none of them because I always have tell them like okay there is a a sheet for your macros just track plug them in so I can know like how your weight fluctuates, how much how much um food you're getting in and I would say. Like ninety percent of them never track or put in their their numbers. Mm -hmm. I think nutrition is probably the biggest one.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good answer. Uh, the biggest inconsistent
1: variable. I mean,
0: yeah. Don't you feel like you have to answer it too, Josh? I can answer (laughs) answer the opposite
1: (laughs) one though. I can answer what's the most typically the most consistent variable in the training. What's I think, that? I think they're Training. progress. They're progress. Oh, they're, progress. Yeah. They're always making progress. That's what it is.
0: Oh, they're always making progress. If you're trained by oh, an us, you're always shameless. making progress. <laughs> shameless
2: plug. <laughs> yeah. That, that's good. I mean, yeah. I can't, like, off the top of my head, I mean, right now, I would feel like sleep is impacted the most. Mm-hmm. Like, that is. With, so within your in, own? Yeah, within my own. Like, oh, sleep, okay, okay. Sleep just fluctuates so much. And I know that's, like, a big proponent to helping make progress.
0: You know, I think program adherence, and when I say program adherence, I mean specifically about accessory work. Um, Historically, that's been something that has been the biggest inconsistency is um, making sure that, like, accessories are being done because –
2: well, like how is how that, you, i'm trying
0: to think like is that is that what the question is how, asking though
2: how do you how do you gauge though like if a lifter is or isn't do it like is there doing a out way... their sheets
0: <laughs> <laughs> like as simple i can yeah like if i'm if i'm updating sheets and then i see that like accessory work hasn't been filled in and it's just like empty like i'll put it i'll put a note in i'll be like hey so did you do this or did you just forget to input it and usually it's like, oh, I forgot to do it, or oh, I didn't. I ran it. I ran out of time. Um, maybe it's a, sometimes it's like a valid excuse, like oh, I was just I felt fatigued. But mm-hmm. and that's that's where the communication comes into play. Like I don't just I don't just let it stay blank consistently. Um, you know, I kind of have that conversation. Like, so I've noticed that your accessories have been blank. What's going on? Like, you want to talk about it? Um, but that's usually how I'll figure out. Either they're not doing their accessories or they're just so busy that they haven't updated their sheets. And maybe the, maybe it's just the fact that sometimes sheets are just not filled out. <laughs> maybe yeah. that's what the variable is most inconsistent. It's
2: just uh, poor memory.
0: Yeah, I think most, yeah. at least most of my
1: lifters, they, like, they want to train. They all want to powerlift. They all want to squat bench deadlift. But I think the other stuff, like the... Um, like the nutrition stuff or like if, if I give them some warm ups to do before they're, before their training. Yeah. So they, they move a little bit better or, if they, or for them to feel a little bit healthier. I don't think, I think, I don't think they're as consistent with, with that. Like they would rather just go in, train, go home and just like, that's it. Like the training, chill. The training is over. Yeah. I've noticed
2: too that like, um, especially in school, people always quote these arbitrary numbers when it comes to like recovery, or like you said, um, accessory work or nutrition, they say it contributes, you know, like 10% or X amount of percent, whatever percent they think it contributes. And uh, I think that that can like fluctuate a bit. So it's not like always just a flat that it contributes to your training. But like, if you like, like Anas has talked about before, if you put more effort into it, you might be surprised at how much more you can get out of your training. You know, just by taking care of your nutrition, you might, you might not see a direct effect on your training numbers, but you might feel a little bit better. You might have more energy you might be able to move higher percentage weights Mm -hmm. at a lower RPE. Mm -hmm. So that's stuff that people don't really write in books that isn't really considered is that the subjective feeling of taking care of all that stuff could have a potential effect on your own training.
1: And it'll also depend on like, are you going from like not only eating a thousand calories a day or like 500 calories a day to eating like 25, where are you going from eating 2000 calories to 25? Like if you're going from a big deficit to something, um, appropriate, you're probably going to get more than the the, whatever the five, five or 10%. But if you kind of go from barely like you're slacking, but you're not, but you're only like in a 500 calorie deficit to, um, like to twenty five or whatever to maintenance or, or or a slight surplus, you're not gonna see as big of a of a benefit. But I mean, obviously, you wanna be as consistent with with like with those variables. And like, if you if you only sleep, if you only get like two hours sleep, and you start getting eight hours sleep, like you'll see a huge difference in your in your training. But I mean, like, so, so I think it also depends. Like, it just depends on. What's your, where, where like, where are you at now and what's your, what are you going to? Like, are you only adding two hours sleep or are you adding five hours sleep? I think that plays, that will play a big factor. All right. And that those variables
2: are, they're not set in stone percentages that you, you should be taking care of them because they can contribute to your performance. You shouldn't look at them like super objectively. You yeah. should,
1: and if you only eat, like, if you don't eat enough, like if you only eat 500 calories a day, like you're gonna take a big hit. Like you're not gonna be able to do anything. You're gonna take probably like a whatever percentage, like a big percentage off. So <laughs> it's not. Yeah, hit. yeah. I feel that. I feel that. Sick. Right on. I, okay, I have one more. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of hard to do on a podcast, but it's uh, bracing cues. Does it involve
0: a dance? No, it's oh.
1: it's, it's, it's bracing cues for deadlifts.
2: Oh, I
0: Bracing got it. Bracing cues for deadlift? Yeah, you can kind explain of, that.
1: Like,
2: uh, compress your abs. Like, you know, like, breathe out all your air. And imagine you're trying to touch, like, your your chest down to, like, your, your pelvis. So, like, you're doing a crunch. That's a cue. There you go.
0: Yeah. I, I, I used to do this every time before. I still kind of do this before I Unrack a Squat. Is that once you get under the bar, and I want everybody collectively to do this right now, is you get under a squat, so you put your hands up right now like you're squatting. And then you blow out. I'm not going to blow on the microphone, but you blow out all your air. Keep going. Don't stop. Every last bit. Do not stop until you get to the last Itty bitty pieces of air, and then you still do not stop. Keep going, pull it all out of your lungs, every single piece, and then you start feeling your midsection tightening up. And then you flex into that. You flex your abs like someone's about to punch you with all the air out of your lungs. And then you maintain that brace, and then you just unrack the squat, and then you go. Someone uh, told me he's like trying to blow go. out the can- trying to blow out the candles on a on a birthday cake with like a thousand candles on it, just trying to blow them all out. And then um, once you have that, you're, you're flexing into it. So that's, that's go. kind of a, that's kind of a mental, mental cue. That's I'm like, pretty, blow out the candles, blow out the pretty, candles.
2: Pretty detailed right
1: there. There you go. You be oh, wait, wait, wait. I didn't tell thousand. them to start breathing again. Okay,
0: <laughs> Everybody can breathe. Everybody breathe again.
1: <laughs> yeah. The thing, I think I like the breathing. I like the exhaling part. I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan of crunching, cuz like for for me at least bracing is basically you want to you want to get into alignment like you want to align your your rib cage with your pelvis. You want to have like your scaps over your rib cage over your pelvis. Um like if you think about your lower rib cage your, your lower ribs if there's like an arrow shooting out of them and at, at the an arrow shooting from the top of your pelvis like you want them to be uh, parallel to each other. So that would be your stacked brace position where mm-hmm. you feet kinda in know, if your pelvis is is pointing down to the floor and your ribs are pointing up to the sky you're in an open scissors position so that's an extended position it's not um you're not braced correctly there like you're not stacked. People talk about stacking a lot. Um with the exhaling I like to exhale because it will retract your ribs, it will push your ribs down. Um kind of towards your pelvis. So with, with the deadlifts, the good thing about deadlifts is you're not having to put anything on your back. So you're not having to retract your scaps. So whenever you retract your scaps, your your ribs will flare up, like they will start shooting up towards the sky. Um, but with the deadlift, you have the bar pulling you down. So you're more it's a lot easier for you to retract your ribs. And if you're reaching or protracting with these caps and you exhale, that will put your rib cage in a really good position, like a stacked position. So mm-hmm. from there, if you think about just um, long arms, protracted arms, protracted scaps, or shoulders, and a full exhale, your or and rib cages are in a good position. Then from there, all you have to do is just align your pelvis with it so just by slightly, we're not tucking the pelvis. We're just um, aligning the pelvis with the rib cage. So now you have a good strong um, stack of joints over each other. You have your scaps over your over your cage over your pelvis. Then you can just like push your abs and obliques against against the belt.
0: So yeah, whenever you're gonna lift, play the por- Play this portion of the podcast every single time you're about and to you lift. You'll pr and if and if you're not a world-class athlete at that point then you didn't listen hard enough an exercise for learning how to brace or just reinforcing the the to practice bracing uh is breathing paw squats uh load up the bar with like a 45 pound plate or even just the bar because it's a really it's a no (laughs) yeah you'll die
1: 500 pounds will force you (laughs) to race right
0: you if you if you do well let me finish my exercise and then you can get into how you want the audience to kill themselves <laughs> um so when you when you load up for a breathing pause squat either just a bar or like really really low weight you you go into it like you're gonna do any other pause squat so you you at the bottom instead of pausing for a specified period of time you're pausing for a specified period of breath so like the way I'll prescribe it is I'll say pause for five breaths and you're at the bottom of the squat and you're doing five large breaths. So in your nose and out of your mouth, in your nose, 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 out of your mouth, five, and then you come up and that's one rep. I'll usually only give like max, max three reps on that. Um, unless it's like lower, lower weight, but you know, uh, that helped me figure out what bracing meant under load. Um, And it may be, you know, it's not something that I'll just throw to everybody. It's more of just like specific practice with bracing. Um, But if you wanted to kind of get an idea for what it feels like to brace, then uh, give them a go. You have nothing to lose. But if you do what Anas is about to say, you could lose your life. Go ahead, Anas. Oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I I got them ready for you. I got them ready.
1: Um, Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know what you... Load up five hundred pounds. Let me yeah, say what, what Anas it. was going to say. Okay, so you you load up five hundred pounds. Okay, so you it, so load hundred and thirty max on squats. I'm and then you it. walk around the park. Rack it and walk it, walk it out. Then squat down with it, and just pause it at the bottom, and just brace as hard as you can. So I can
0: I could do that. I could pause at the bottom.
1: You most definitely.
0: You don't have to go up. To go I can up. pause. Yeah, I can stay paused at the bottom. Up. I can do a permanent pause.
1: Definitely don't put any safeties. It will force you to brace harder. <laughs> no. If you have, yes. if you have safeties, mess with
0: you psychologically. Yeah, yeah. if
1: you have and it's like if you have an escape route, like you'll you will not brace. But if you're just forced <laughs> to, <laughs> you're gonna give it a
2: hundred and ten percent.
0: Oh, okay, I get it. This can also help with the plateau question. Uh, just load up weight that's heavier than you've ever done before remove every possibility of a safety or a spot and and your body will kind of kick in.
1: There you go. Fight or flight.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you'll definitely flight (laughs) flight. (laughs) because your body is not going to (laughs) fight. You're going to give up. Uh, Okay. Good questions. The ones that we answered were good questions. Uh, We'll cover the bad questions after the outro. Thanks so much to everybody who asked us the question on Instagram. And if you aren't following us already, do follow us on Instagram at Back. We'll be doing this again in the future. Love to hear your questions and love to answer anything you have for us. We'll be as honest as possible. Thanks again for listening another week. We'll see you again every Tuesday on Spotify. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Okay, there you go. Bye. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> so Anas what was the give me a rapid fire of all the terrible questions that you got that please please try to exclude the cursing
2: oh, uh, man, here we go I'll take part two
0: okay uh, oh maybe this could be it's own Instagram reel okay
2: that's a, yeah everyone liked the the reel like I'm okay. telling you like this is more gold content you want
1: to give me, you you want me to give you the big daddy one